This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're coming to you from Groundhog Day. It's yet another Wolverhampton Wanderers game. I woke up this morning and I thought, who are we going to play today? Ah, oh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Ah, it's them again. And then I went to sleep and then I woke up again and it's Wolverhampton Wanderers. And that's just what happens. We just seem to play Wanderers every single day. <laughs> Uh, but unlike other games, we don't turn around to them and say, can we play you every week? Because we certainly don't want to be playing them every week because we haven't beaten them so far this season. So maybe this game will be the one where we can actually pull it out the bag. My name is Billy Grant. I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with, I've got a couple of chums in the place. I've got the Yellard in the house. How are you? I'm not too bad, all things considered. Yep, just had a just had a jammy dodger before we started the, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Left, you know, a, a leftover Christmas jammy dodger. You are a dodgy jammer. The older uh, Allard as well. We've got Laney in the place. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, not only do we play uh, um, Wolves every week, we're going to be playing Man City every week as well. We've got them in a couple of weeks as well. So, uh, yes, these sequences, they seem to sort of come together. But Jamie Dodger sounds good. That's, uh, yeah, I could do with a biscuit, Bill, if I'm honest. That's, that's right. Let's risk it for a biscuit, as they say. So, but anyway, listen, we've got plenty to talk about on this podcast. We've got Wolverhampton Wanderers who are going to be coming. We're going up to their place on Saturday, so we're going to check them out as well. We've also got, we've got, who have we got on the play? We've got JB. Naturally, some facts and some funk sequencing himself up right up as well. We're going to listen to the fans after the Manchester City game as well. We've got the Bees breakdown posse. They're back in effect, actually, after our Christmas and New Year little period where we've gone jiggery pokery as well we've got beast breakdown in the place because i know a lot of people like listening to their tactical and their statistical lowdown on the games as well and also we've got dave from talking walls just going to give us a little bit of a lowdown on the team that we've played three times so far and it's going to be four times in just over a month but anyway let's just uh, let's shoot the breeze i'm sitting here with my chums and uh, i suppose the the main talking point at the moment now is afcon the african cup of nations where brentford have almost they almost had two players in the final one for each team nigeria were playing yesterday they played south africa and also you had the uh, congo as well um the democratic republic of congo and they were playing ivory coast as well and uh nigeria 
tucked into the first game. Um, uh, Frank, the tank on Yeka was right there in the CDM role, actually kind of doing what he does best as well. He's really elevated himself massively in the AFCON as well. And uh, Nigeria got themselves a win, a 1-0 win. And then in the second game, the DRC... I would, I would have, I would have argued to say that maybe they should have actually kind of uh, maybe nicked a little lead early on in the game, but they didn't quite get that, and they found themselves losing one nil. So unfortunately, Wisa is not in the final, but he has to stay out there for the third and fourth place playoff game. So he might as well have got through to the final. So a bit of a shame that for him, but still good for Brentford, good for our profile, and good for uh, good for our players. That what do you say, Laney? Yeah, it, it you know it is good for the players. It looks like they're in in good nick. Um, I'm surprised that um, Saman Godos is back. You know the Iranians went out in the semi-finals um, to uh, to Qatar. Uh, you know a real thriller, a real three-two. What an ending to the game that was. I mean, Iran hit the post and they had a real um, crazy deflected shot that looked like it was about to go in. All in injury time. It was like. I think it was like 13, 14 minutes of injury time. Game that never was going to end by the looks of it, but it did end. Um, and Saman Godos is back before it even ended, I think. He was walking into Jersey Road and I, I don't know how he's got back in time. So he literally must have left the, the stadium, gone to the airport and uh, got himself back to Europe. But uh, yeah, so he'll be back in contention for the Wolves game. But Wieser's, as you said, he's going he's gonna to hang around a bit. So it's a shame he's not back as well because we just need as many fit bodies as we can. But yeah. yes, I'm all right, Bill. I'm all right. Which is all good. I mean, I mean, the Elard, the African Cup of Nations. It's uh, it, I must say, it never fails to surprise. But it's uh, it's one of those cups that year on year, it's getting bigger and bigger. It moved from I think Eurosport to another station, and now it's on Sky Sports. Some of the games were on the BBC iPlayer as well, live. And uh, I, I, I can imagine the finals probably going to be on the BBC iPlayer. I'm sure. I'm not 100% sure, but I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me as well. But it's one of those ones where you know you, you, there's a few little jewels, there's 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 few little moments, and, uh, and and it's a good competition, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it was on BBC Two, wasn't it? The first semi-final last night. So you know that was that was cool. Um, I think it's. Um, I, do, do you know? I, I still think it suffers a bit with the TV coverage. I think that. Um, I, for some reason, they don't seem to be able to really tap into the atmosphere. Did you get that sort of impression when you're watching it? Is that it doesn't really? It's almost like just turn the crowd up because I'm sure there's loads of atmosphere. I know the pitches. I, I know the grounds aren't great because they've all got they, most of them seem to have athletic tracks around, which is always a shit thing with football, as we know. Um, it, but but they could definitely. I feel they could do a better job of somehow making it feel more alive um, because I'm sure it's like pretty crazy in there and. Um, you know, and what you see of the atmosphere looks great, but you don't just you don't always sort of really get to feel it. I find with Afcon, which I think is a bit of a shame. I think that's something they should really work on with the TV coverage. Uh, maybe I mean I, I I'm not convinced the commentators are out there either. Um, certainly the ones the BBCs are using because because they sometimes they struggle with what's going on that isn't on the, which is always a good clue with what's going on on the screen. So and that would probably also sort of you know really give it some some more atmospherics too. Um, but 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 overall, it's a fascinating competition. Most um, most of the time, wasn't it a fact that was it was it eight different teams made the last eight than from the previous Afcon or something bonkers like that? I mean, which is it's it, you know how 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 great is that? Can you imagine that happening in the Euros? Very unlikely, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. So developing teams indeed, and, and it's interesting for me because obviously you know I go to I go to all my World Cups and uh, I've been out into South Africa quite a few times watching football out there. Not only at the World Cup, but also watching club football out there, which I love. Seen the Orlando Pirates, I've seen the the kinds of Chiefs, I've seen Cape Town, I've seen I've seen all loads of teams playing out there. Actually, it's such such good fun, such a good vibe. And the funny thing is that when I was when South Africa were playing Nigeria, when they scored. Um, um, 
at the back end um i think when they scored the penalty the equalizing penalty um i think was it, was it oh, sorry i've got it right on oh, my mind's gone but and, and, and at the back end and um and uh and when they were at the back end of the game and then they flipped into the crowd and I saw a couple, a couple of my mates from the old South African sort of kind of supporters crew out there as well. There's normally a guy called Saddam who's a guy that you always wear. He always wears these big glasses as well. Like so, but um, I don't know because Saddam used to go everywhere in South Africa. I didn't notice him there, but I noticed the rest of the crew there as well, which is quite interesting. So it did make me smile and it always does make me think, you know, how these guys literally get to, I mean, they're literally proper hardcore Bafana Bafana. They go to all the games and, you know, how they travel, how they get out there because, you know, um, these guys aren't flush. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, we're not talking about like, you know, Piching at all, but they're still kind of, I remember when I was in South Africa and when England played uh, in a friendly, I went out there for a friendly one time. We were in Johannesburg and next minute they come all the way down to Durban and they'd taken some sort of overnight bus and they were staying in some sort of kind of hostel or it was just or some of their mates house. It's just like they just did whatever they can do to follow their football. So I, I've got real respect for, for football fans like that who love their team, but they'll just do whatever they can do to travel over land and sea to go and see South Africa play like, you know what I'm saying? So, but it was yeah. like I said to you, it's good. The fun, it's funny you mentioned the atmospheres because I, when I, I went over to um, the African Cup of Nations when it was held in Egypt about just before lockdown it would have been um, I saw Makocho play for South Africa and um, I saw what, who else was there um, Ben Rama Ben, ben Rama no I'm not sure he made it he was um, oh I've, I've forgotten who the other other guy was um, he was he, he was in Possibly. this one as well it might uh, be John Vier. Yeah, John Vier, yes, of course it was for Guinea. Um, yes, we saw we saw those games, but I thought the atmospheres were uh, whatever. They, they, they were like sparsely sort of, you know, the, the attendances were quite low. Um, maybe it was just because it was Egypt, because it was like, you know, the very north of Africa rather than sort of like central or um, western Africa. Um, it, it might have been more difficult, a lot, obviously a lot more travelling to, to get to, or just it, like, some, like some tournaments, they only really come alive in the latter stages, but... The atmosphere certainly in the, the Ivory Coast game looked obviously because they're the host nation. It looks absolutely bonkers. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth it's worth experiencing for sure because it almost seems like the the tournament that's still kind of undiscovered. It, it, there's always and I, I know we don't unearth players like we used to from these tournaments because most of the big clubs have snapped the African. Um, African talent up when it was like twelve or thirteen. They're already over here, but seeing teams like um, uh, Cape, Cape Verde going quite deep into the tournament it, it shows that there's like emerging talent um, in some really unlikely places because Cape Verde is a tiny little place for them to get um, a team that can go long in a tournament like this is incredible so um, yeah I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some uh, scouts and football football um, um, uh, talent spotters that have, have unearthed a few this one because as, as you said they're, they're, the, the teams that have gone long aren't the predictable ones no, I mean, and, and again, like I said to you, I mean, listen, great, great competition. Um, at the end of the day, the competition is going to be over very soon, which means that we're going to be looking forward to our players coming back. The question I'm going to ask you is that do you think that comp because we we're really nervous about that competition, we thought it's going to do us a bit of damage because we're going to lose some players and the, and the Asian Cup as well. We're going to lose some players and uh, we're going to be in a bit of trouble. But in retrospect, looking back on that, do you think it's been a positive or a negative for us? I, I, I mean, overall, I would, I still think it's, um, 
I think it's a positive for the players. I think for us, we really could have done with having Wiesa especially around. Um, so, any of the games we played. Oh well, any 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 game that involved any any game we played where Mopes started, we could have done with Wiesa to come on as a sub or anything. Yeah, Tot and Tottenham, and then we've had Man City, and we haven't really had a, um, you know, we haven't had an extra outlet, and that's all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 we miss it desperately. And he's not the quickest. We're missing Ubumo more, but I do think that I, I I think that's that's definitely where we would have missed him. I also felt that to be honest, in the FA Cup, I think Onyeka could have had a game. Um, so, but but I'm not. I mean, it is what it is. We know we know the African Nations Cup. We know who's going to be playing in it. Um, so it's not a criticism. It's just, um, but, if, but if you're asking me direct, did we miss players? Yeah, we did. I, I, I think for me, the question I'm asking, I think I was asking the question is that I was really, really worried that we're going to be in all sorts of trouble from it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not quite sure if the results probably did go much different than what they could have done, you know what I'm saying, um, without these players. And I think it could have been a much worse scenario, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, would we have got a win against Tottenham if if, if Wiesa is in? There's a question mark there. You know, Manchester City is Manchester City. Yeah. Wolverhampton Wanderers, in a strange way, we probably didn't actually want to be in the cup anyway. Like, you know, because with our injuries, we'd rather have been out of it. So I'm kind of taking this glass half full saying... Um, the, but the bonuses that we got out of it is that they've gone there, they've bigged themselves up, they've got themselves quite a lot of um, 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 confidence, right, you know, in the way that they've played and the way that their team's done. And it actually may, they may come back to our team now and be much better players having been away for a month than if they were actually here for a month. Does that make sense? It, sorry, it makes sense to some extent. Um, but there's still the, we, we, we still haven't got through the African Nations Cup. There's still two players that will Onyeka will start on Sunday. Wiesa might not, depending on whether whether in the third place playoff, um, in the third and fourth place game, whether they want to sort of you know um, rotate the side a bit. But there's still there's still an element of risk there. And then do they come back fit and fit? Hopefully they do, rather than knackered. Um, bit of travelling, a lot of games, two games a week, could be a bit knackered. Um, so yeah. I think we'd be hurting a lot more if uh, Mbumo had gone away and got his injury there. I think I think we mm. I think the the you know the exposure to the tournament was was obviously taken away because he he was the one that we were always going to miss the most. And you know if it, we we knew that he would be out. Um, interestingly, like next year's Afcon, I think is in Morocco, and they hold it in June and July 2025. So. Um, it, it, they seem to be out of sequence a bit because I know that they're advertising this one as 2023, although it's yeah. 2024. Um, yeah. I don't think there is a 2024 one. I think it's gone to 2025 in Morocco, which is certainly worth going to. That's um, going to be bonkers. That, I mean, that's going to be bonkers. I mean, the Moroccan fans, I mean, I've, I've been in, in and among them and they're quite lively to say the very, very least. But at least it gets out of the January kind of missing players you know it's going to happen in a closed season so it, the impact of missing players is, is going to be reduced which is only a good thing for a, a team like Brentford and, and I think this one was planned to be um, last year but wasn't there um, isn't, isn't it still with the weather that it got moved again so so the original the plan I think with AFCON is now to move into the move into the summer but I think there were weather issues so they had to um, well, well, well when Laney when you went it was in the summer as well yeah it was it was yeah, yeah definitely yeah. so yeah there's been all sorts of moving shenanigans going on there so anyway but talking about missing players we've got a player that has been missing quite a lot for us and uh he's going to be missing in again for a while this is josh de silva 
and the news has come out that he's actually got a, a really quite terrible knee injury and he's going to be out for quite a while. Um, Josh De Silva is a player who is, um, he's scored some great goals. Um, he's played some great football for us. And to be fair to Brentford, we've stuck with him. We've stuck with him. He's been out. He's come back. He's out. He's come back. And for him, it's a real gutter that he's got this uh, this terrible injury yet again, because he seems like, a, I've never met him personally, but he seems like a lovely bloke. Everyone talks about him very highly and the football that he plays, you know, potentially he's a, he's a very, you know, he could have been, let's say could have been, but could be a, a massive player. And I remember the story that I have is, um, you know, Rob Rowan, uh, God bless his soul, God bless his soul as well. He, he, I remember him when he was developing the B team and I used to speak to him a lot about players. And I remember sort of kind of Josh, we, we first started the B team, it began about a year uh, or maybe slightly less than a year. Maybe, I think it's a year. We're going into the second season and he said to me, I've just signed this player from Arsenal. Uh, he, he's massive. Okay, he's going into the B team, but the whole idea is to get him in the B team, get him up to speed. Then, then he can potentially be a massive player for for Brentford. You know, he's re- he was really excited about him. And so, for me, you know, I sort of almost see Joshua Silva as the beginning of the start of Brentford taking things up the next level with the B team and and really linked to sort of kind of um, Rob Rowan and what his vision was for Brentford and where he wanted to go with sort of kind of quality players. And in the end, he did come good and he came into our side and he was a key player in our side. And I just think that for everyone at Brentford, um, Josh De Silva sort of depicts kind of new Brentford, kind of like, you know, you know, not the Uwe Roslin, we've done the Uwe Roslin, we've done the, the Dean Smith and all that lot, but we're talking about real new Brentford, as in us taking ourselves to that next level as a as a team. And for him to have this injury is just a, is a real gutter. Yeah, it's really terrible for him. Um, it's terrible for us, but it's more terrible for him. Just like he came on against Tottenham um, and he looked like he was really, really up for um, making an impact for the rest of the season. He, he, he came on and he looked really lively. He helped create a couple of chances. Um, you know, anyone that remembers the Brentford goal up at um, the Etihad last year where Ivan Tony scored in the last minute, it was that Josh De Silva drop of the shoulder and then he, and, and he, and he take, gets it to the byline and he gets the cross across. And it was it was just like that all over again. And um, I, I, I thought, oh, brilliant, we've got another player coming back, strong, someone who can contribute, someone who, who we can bring, either bring on a sub or um, so we can play, someone we can play on the right until Mbumo gets fit. And then he gets absolutely poleaxed by, you know, this ACL or double ACL or whatever the extent of it is. And it's, you know, it's, it's it's got to be career threatening to a certain degree. Um, it's certainly um, career uh, impactful because he's out of contract at Brentford, I believe, at the end of this season. Um, what do we do? You know, what do we do as a club? Do we stand by him? Do we just rehab him? Do we? What do we do? It, it's, it opens a tin of worms. I'm sure you know Brentford are a, an incredibly compassionate club, and I'm sure we will stand by the player and we'll we'll help him back. Um, I'm not sure what negotiations need to happen behind the scenes, but the well-being of the player will be paramount to any decisions that we make. And you're right, Bill. You know, he's, he's been on a real journey. Um, you know, he, he, he joined us in 2015 or 2018. Sorry. Um, he's played 137 games for us and scored 20 beautiful goals with his left foot. He only scores fucking good goals. We know that. Um, he just needs a fucking good break of luck. And um, I'm just, I'm devastated for him. It's, it couldn't have come at a worse time for him. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Allard again. He's been. I'd say to you, he's been a key player for us. I mean, we were sitting down there. We sort of kind of did analysis of the minutes that he's played. Uh, for Brentford, because a lot of people say he hasn't played, you know, that much for us. But you know, he's been he's been with us for quite a few seasons, you know. And uh, and like I said to you, the you know different times that he's played for us over the different different seasons as well. Obviously, this season he hasn't played much, you know. The season, but the season before actually, when he came back, he actually, you know, he actually played, you know, um, just you know, quite he played quite quite a, quite a lot of minutes for us as well. I mean, he had one season where you were out for a, for a, for a long period of time. But saying that, you know, you know sometimes we're talking about him playing sort of 12, 13, 15 games a season. But potentially, Josh De Silva could have, I keep saying, I'm not saying this, because obviously he's not playing till the end of the season again, at least. Could be a really key player for us, the Allard. And he's the type of player that, we're, that we are still kind of missing, do you, think, do you feel? Yeah, he's a progressive midfielder and he can carry the ball. And, and I think that's, albeit he doesn't, contribute with everything else in midfield but but he can he can carry the ball through midfield out of midfield and he can play wide as well and um i'm i mean i'm gutted for him i I can't tell you i gutted i am for him when i first sort of heard them i was just thinking this can't be true you know when you know when when the rumors started and i was just thinking this this can't be true this isn't fair um because you know his last he had the hip injury didn't he that that took him a, a year well maybe over a year to recover from and you just think this just isn't fair. He's 25 years old, and it just doesn't feel fair for him. He, um, we, he. Do you know what? I just a week ago I was thinking, okay, so we found a way of playing three-five-two, and then we could maybe go four-three-three because you could play De Silva on the right and KLP on the left and Tony through the middle, and I think that'd be quite a nice. And then you know, and 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 I think his time. This might have been his time as well. You know, he had the opportunity to really. Sort of, you know, yeah. I'm just guided for him. Absolutely yeah, guided. Yeah, well, listen. Let's see. Let's see how it goes again. Like I said, to Brentford, a, a very good team in uh, backing their players. Uh, like I said, through the well-being period as well. You know, um, we, we, you know, we'll sit them out. We'll take care of them. You know, you know, we, we had Ericsson, You know, we kind of just gave them everything that they wanted to to make themselves feel comfortable and make them feel right. You know, so listen. Let's just watch this space. And, you know, he's going to obviously set out at least for the end of the season. Let's just see how it goes for next season. But, you know, we wish him all the best in his recovery. Josh De Silva, great player um, and uh, a bees legend, I would like to say, a bees legend. So, but anyway, look, let's just let's just go back to, to, to Monday night under the lights. We're going to go away, have a little drink. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that team called Manchester City. So Man City came to New Griffin Park. Um, I keep saying I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that, but I'll say it anyway. Um, they came to New Fifth and Park on Monday night underneath the lights. Uh, it was, again, one of those games where it was a free hit. A lot of fans were just saying that whatever we can get out of it, we get out of it. We're not expecting to get anything. And if anything, we were a little bit disappointed because we looked like we were going to get something out of it in the beginning of the first half. And that kind of raised our expectations. But we were definitely put back in our box in the second half. Um, it was a, it was an interesting game. Um, it was this is something. How, Laney, how would you describe that game? Uh, sadly predictable. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I did say I'm not. It's not about me getting scores right because they only happen once in a blue moon. But I've got 
the last few were okay, right? Um, just, I said three one to them, but yeah, we, we did we did better than I than I feared. We, um, it, they just went through the gears. Uh, um, it, it was like how how long can we put off the inevitable? How long until they create something that ends up in the back of the net? You know, the, the really positive thing for me was we saw we saw game for um he pulled out saves famously set up the goal so he got an assist as well for for the more pay goal it's a clever bit of kind of getting out the wayness by ivan tony um that allowed the ball to run through um so yeah they are just the best team in the world and you can only you can only try so hard with with a team like ours and they did us proud i thought over the 90 minutes um, I still think we caused them a fair amount of, uh, you know, confusion and question marks, and we we created chances. We could have could have scored again, I think. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought we did as well as could be expected, and we 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 got we got nothing, which was what I thought we'd get. Yeah, I, I, I thought the same. It was it it it's very difficult. Uh, to, to be honest, I was I I, I look at the lineup and. I just thought I can't make an argument for us getting anything out of this, um, and 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 it comes back to and, I, and and I've said it already. I just think if you don't have pace, it's really hard to play on the counter attack. Really hard because what happens is and um, and I'm not this is no criticism of Mope because he's he's done everything he can do. Do you know what I mean? He's he's wound up other teams. He scored goals for us and and his play's been absolutely fine. But he doesn't have any pace, and that, and that's just an unfortunate fact. And that, so what happens is, is that is that you drop into a deep block, and the minute you get the ball, normally Mbumo goes, or the wing backs go. And okay, Regulon went a couple of times, I think, um, and probably Roslev tried as well. But 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 Mope just he can go, but he can't go quick enough. So suddenly you're passing to him like deeper the halfway line rather than kicking beyond him into their half because then the ball's just coming back at you because he ain't. And and and, and then and there were two occasions in the second half where. Where he had to pass back to me, and that was good because it didn't give up. It didn't give up possession, but it kind of summed up where we were, and and just the fact that it was very very difficult for us to get anything out of that game. The only way we were going to get anything out of that game was to sneak something as we did, and then to defend for our lives and and not make a mistake, and Foden to have a shocking game, and and other players within that Man City team to have a shocking game. And unfortunately, Foden had a good game. He just kept popping up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me again, I keep saying I'm glass half full. There were actually a lot of positive points about that game because we have to, to me, we have to look at the broader picture and we have to look at. It's not about us playing Manchester City. It's about who we're going to be playing between now and the end of the season, and we need to get our players back in and on form, um, so that when we play these other teams, you know, not the Manchester Cities, we're actually doing the business against them. Because again, we need probably three more wins, maybe four more wins, to actually kind of make sure that we can completely and utterly relax. So for me. I'm just concerned about us making sure that when we play those games, we are ready for them. Now, like I said to you, um, glass half full. The positives um, in this game is um, there's one positive. I mean, you talked about the goal that we scored. No, we didn't have the speed. We didn't have the pace. But um, the ball went direct, right? To Mbappe, probably as direct as you can go. And it was, uh, yeah, there you go, bang, in the back of the net. But the question I'm going to say to you, though, is that the assist came from Flecken. So you could talk about his distribution being very good, but also Flecken, and listen, we've been talking about Flecken, you know, till the cows come home, about how we're very 
question mark about him. He um, he nullified a lot of the question marks in this game, and he had a brilliant game. What, what I'll say is that you know it's all right doing it once, but you've got to do it regularly. But we also did talk about the fact that um, David Raya had quite a dodgy first six months until he got himself kind of relaxed. But Flecken had a really good game, and I think if there's anything you're going to take out of that, um, you can turn around and say actually. Um, if he continues to have games like that going on to the end of the season, then we might actually start drawing some games instead of losing or winning some games instead of losing because he actually might be start saving some balls where he hasn't been saving in the first place. Laney? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we, we, I, don't, I don't think we've been over harsh on him. I just think we've been quite honest about him. He, he doesn't move his feet. And there was a second before he made his first save where I didn't think he was going to do the same again. I think there was, a, I don't know who, whose the first shot was, but he made a you know a full length tip around the post. Um, and it looked like he wasn't going to bother. Um, and it, he, he did hesitate for a split second. And uh, fortunately, he made it across the goal in time. Um, and then after that, yeah, it was it was just one great save after another great save. Probably the best or the most important at that time was when he saved with his feet from Haaland, who, who, who was let through from a, a mistake um, at the back. Um, and, you know, that goes in and I, I fear the floodgates open then. You know, in, you're right as well. What you say is about is who we play, who else we play. And we have to be strong for everyone else. And these games against teams that, you know, we probably aren't going to get anything from are a good barometer to show that we're mentally um, and spiritually in a, in a really good place because, you know, the, you can't say that we look defeated or deflated or anything. Um, you know, Sheffield United, I saw them against Aston Villa at the weekend and they just got humiliated. This, this doesn't seem to be that gene in our DNA at the moment. We're, we, you know, it's not to say that we're not capable of getting turned over by a great team, but we, we, we're, we're in, we're in every game we play, and um, we just need to play some of the teams now that you know we're more evenly matched with. What you, could, you can argue that Wolves is is one of those because you know, barring the game um, on the 28th of December where you know we we didn't show up at all and they beat us four one. The three other game, the two other games against Wolves in the Cup have been really, really close. You can't put a, a fag packet, um, a fag paper between the two of us, really. Um, and uh, you know, but they they're, they're definitely favourites still on, on on Saturday. We just need we need to play like three easy-ish games, one after the other, where we can get six or seven points and then uh, you know take the pressure off of ourselves. But they come they're coming thicker and faster, um, and the games aren't getting any easier. Um, we have to get a point at least, I'd say, out of the trip to Molyneux on Saturday. Yeah, so listen, let's go over to hear what the fans had to say after the game in the stands. The fans after, so that's straight after the Manchester City game. Beaten by the better side at the end of the day, Bill. Did well first half, kept her shape well, nicked a goal. Unfortunately, we couldn't hold on and their quality told. It was good to see a battling performance from us in the first half. City are a great team. They are a fantastic football team. They might have bought, they might have played hard and fast with, with money rules, etc. But they, are, they do play really good football. I mean, you know, there are positives from that. We all, we, to lose to City, a team like that, is no disgrace. We will beat other teams that are less good than City on the performance that we turned in tonight. A really good performance, first half, second half. You know, the Saudi money tells, doesn't it? You know, it, it definitely helps when you've got 
unlimited funds like that. And yeah, I thought first half we did really well. You know, a lot of positive green shoots there to build on. Mark Flecken, though his confidence the world are good, I thought he was superb. Reguillon had a really good game. Um, they, I don't think there were too many people who had poor games out there. So you've got to take that into Wolves and see what happens. It's going to be tough the next few games, but we'll get people back soon and everything will be fine. Uh, they're, they're quite good, aren't they, Man City? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you sit back and watch it and take your Brentford hat off, it's some of the best football probably ever played at a Brentford game. You know, they're, they're quality, quality throughout, pace, which is the thing we're really missing the most, I think. I thought, you know, with a bit of pace up front, we could have done something different in the second half, but we didn't have any anything that really troubled once we got behind. But you know, none of us expected much out of this. We got a better performance than we thought we were going to get, but the result was pretty much as expected. But we need some points soon, Bill. They're very good team. They've got some fantastic players. I thought Foden was outstanding tonight. I think it's so difficult to stop them. And once they get their noses in front, they just keep the ball so well. I thought we played, we played really well, especially the first half. We, we gave them a real fright. And I, I'm just going to say this. I, and not just me, I've been very, very critical of Mark Flecken until today. And he was absolutely outstanding in that first half. And he does not deserve to have conceded three goals because he was outstanding. He made, about, he made nine saves, I think, and got the assist for the goal. And, you know, fair, absolutely fair play to him. It was brilliant. Listen to that. He deserves it. I, they were really good. I'm not saying Man City weren't, but they didn't blow us off our feet. I think we did more than enough in the game to get something out of it if we were tighter. I mean, Man City absolutely love being boring, if I can say that, being boring. I reckon about 45 minutes, if not more, of that game was killed by them just knocking the ball around. And we're not, I don't quite, I'm not a coach, but I don't quite know why Thomas Frank hasn't changed the game plan up to just press everything a bit tighter. They don't like it. But we back off, we sit deep like we normally do. Yes, we're tight in the box and they couldn't get it through a lot of the time, but they are more than happy to kill time knocking it around the outs. So why are we letting them? I don't quite understand why we're letting them. It can yeah, yeah. be also a little bit kind of churlish for you to go out and then moan about Man City's, not, not, not at you in, in general, yeah, yeah. about what they've got against us. But on the other hand, you look at it and you think, and I say this, I say, listen, you're playing a game of Monopoly, and yeah. right, and, and you're playing, I'm playing against you, and you've got every single every single house, every single thing on the on the board. You've got in Park Lane yeah. and you've got everything like And I'm playing it. against you, yeah, yeah I'm saying. <laughs> and I'm playing against you and I'm thinking, what's the yeah. point? Because you've got them all. And at the end of the day, I might still beat you somehow by throwing loads of sixes and getting yeah, to go yeah, yeah. and get some money. But the, the chances are it's going to be unlikely. And, and what's the fun in that? Well, there's not much fun in it. I mean, it's like, it's, it's definitely like a two-tier league, isn't it? The teams have got loads of money the top six or whatever just they can buy their way to success and everyone else is sort of scrabbling around for a bit of form really and and you know they might be well coached they might be buying well but you know you you just can't compete on that it's not a level playing field is it it's not so so that makes the league less competitive and that's less fun to watch i think honestly point me to a city fan that finds their football exciting do you know I mean, I know it's about results. And I know you want the points, but and you said like you come here to be entertained. You come here to watch a good game of football. I absolutely don't mind losing when it's a great cracking game for both sides. But he said it's just it's just not exciting to watch. I mean, Doku's very exciting. He's about he's about. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The most enjoyable thing that they've got to offer at the moment. Um, but you said they, they've got one very simple game plan and it's boring, but it works. So they got the three points, isn't it? So there you go. Fans after the Manchester City game, pretty, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty happy, pretty straightforward. You know, they, 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 you know, listen. Hey, it's Manchester City, isn't it? Um, and as you heard, there's a little bit of a, a little bit, listen, not being churlish there as well, but, you know, there's a little bit of a kind of, a, just a little discussion here about Manchester City, eh? Because, uh, look, look, there's no denying they've got some great players. There's no denying that they can play football. But Manchester City are just one of those teams where, I'll be honest with you, I don't, you know, I don't rush to go and see them play just because I just, it's just, I, I don't know, I see football as a bit of a hole and, and, I, and, I, and I described it as a, you know, as playing against somebody with a monopoly, uh, on the monopoly board and they've literally, you're playing against somebody who's got literally all the, all the, all the squares, all the houses on a monopoly board and you go there and it's just like, oh yeah, you're, you're just going to struggle to win that game. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Manchester City, they've got all the, the wealth in the whole world, so they can buy anybody they want to, and they can be the best coach and the best everything like that. And to me, I, I just kind of don't see the point in playing football in that environment. Um, it's almost like one of the scenarios where your win is that if you can get a sneaky little win out of them. And for me, I'll be honest with you, and I know some a lot of people won't agree with this because they say, oh, it should be everybody. If somebody's got more money than the others, then they should be able to use it. But I'd like to see if every team the same budget the same amount of money and you had to go out there and buy players and be clever with that money and clever how you did things and then you go against each other and see how you go because i know a lot of the big clubs would like that because at the end of the day it means that they couldn't their strength is the, their financial clout it isn't basically you know how clever that they use it it's like that they can just go in and just whip a player from somebody else once he's shown that he's good enough you know what i'm saying but i'd 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 love it if we could go out there and basically teams were all on an even keel and you had to show how clever you are out there because that'd be more exciting because also what you do is you get more turnover so you get more teams that are kind of winning things when they shouldn't be winning things and all this kind of stuff whereas at the moment now you know it's the top three or the top four the top six are always going to be there and if somebody pops in there it's a bit of a surprise and it makes it a little bit boring and technically surely the tv companies and the sponsors and everybody would actually want it to be more exciting because when it's more exciting everyone gets excited and they get more engaged but when it's like this it's, it's just a little bit dull but maybe that's just me um the allard um, I, I take your point i think it's a good point i think it's probably what i would imagine it's i don't know much about mls but i'm pretty sure that's the way that that that's run as are most american sports um so yeah, it would be more exciting, but unfortunately, um, I, the Premier League is, you know, 
is already run by the clubs and um, it's not probably in the interest of the bigger clubs with the most money to um, to change that. So and, 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 and I also think, unfortunately, they're the ones with loads of supporters who also don't want to change that. So I think it's a, it's a great argument um, and it may well work, but I'm not sure it's coming. No, no it's, it's, it's certainly not coming. We might, as well, we might as well just have a discussion about what kind of cheese you want the moon made out of. It's, uh, it's, it's things that just aren't going to happen. Brie. I'm afraid. Brie. Oh, I'll, I'll, go, I think, I'll, go, I'll go for cheddar. Thank you very I, much. I, I, I do think, and it's maybe not quite the same conversation, but there's an interesting sort of defence um, from the Everton and Nottingham Forest supporters of FFP. That, that, that sort of their defence isn't a million miles away from that. And they're sort of saying, well, you know, the top's whatever are just doing what they want so we should just you know ff what why should we be found guilty of ffp and um and all supporters should come together and be against ffp and against our points deductions which i think is quite quite an interesting argument from them as i'm sort of as, as i do feel the opposite about that i think if you want to you want to take ffp on um and take a chance on it then then you need to take you know everything that comes with it but do, do you know what I mean? There is this sort of other. There's this weird argument going on from their supporters about that. Not so much the clubs currently, but but their supporters. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I think you're on that. No, I think there are a few interesting times ahead. You know, they're they're not FFP related. It's it's a different matter with Chelsea and um, Man City. Um, their what their, their allegations are, you know, are, are serious, but they're not they're not FFP necessarily related. They, they might they may impact that as well, but that there will be some conclusion with that. I don't I don't uh, some stage that will that that boil will be lanced and the uh, the forest situation that that needs to be sorted out fairly pronto because you can't settle that after the final whistles happens in in may you know they need to know how many points they've got deducted soon to know what they're up against so you know they're, they're there is some repercussions coming um so yeah interesting interesting times ahead there's a, it's interesting that with Forrest and the, and the Everton recent FFP is that is that although the process all takes place before the end of the season, as I understand it, the final appeals, um, the conclusion of the final appeals is five days or something after the end of the season. Um, and I'm already really nervous about how that's going to affect. I'm not talking about Brentford as I mean, I might be talking about Brentford. I'm not, but this isn't a Brentford thing. This is just the whole bloody thing. Is that we? We. I, I, it, it feels like at the moment with the timeline, there's a real chance, especially with the way the league's panning out, and now Luton have started picking up points. There is a real chance that we're going to get to the final games of the season, and there will still be one or maybe two appeals in place that will have an impact on relegation. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, listen, just going back to the game as well, or going back to our team, again, me, me glass half full. Listen, let's just look at the positives because at the end of the day, it's how our team is building and panning towards the end of the season, which is most important for us. So people laughed at us when we signed Neil Mopay at the beginning of the season. We were all really happy and they just laughed at us, especially Everton fans, uh, even Brighton fans to a certain extent, and also other fans, West Ham fans. Oh, they all go, oh, I hate Wheaton Mopay, he's rubbish. What do you sign in for? Uh, I turned around to one of my mates and I said to him, I think he's going to sign, he's going to score 10 goals for us this season. I said, that's all I need, that's all we need him to do is to score 10 goals for us this season. Because if he does, he's just come there and done a job because he is a fill-in uh, striker and a fill-in player. 
and uh, people are just, you know, laughing. But all of a sudden now, Neil Malpay uh, is on fire. Your defence is terrified. Um, what I'll say is that he has been um, one of the players who's voted for the Premier League player, uh, goal of the month, which is that brilliant goal he scored against Forest. Whether or not he won it or not, I don't know as yet, but you should find out very soon. But Neil Malpay has scored five in five for Brentford. He has scored seven goals in total for Brentford, and I think he's got three assists. He might have more, but that, but I think he's got at least three assists for us as well. So, I mean, not be funny, but he's not been a bad addition to the side, seeing as he is not the fastest person in the world. And he is, uh, yeah, he's been, he's been, and, and he's, and, and, and in recent games as well, he's got, he hasn't got any Brian Boomer or anything else around him. So, like, you know, Neil Halpe is, is, he's, listen, he's, 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 he could end up being the um, Everton's highest goal scorer, <laughs> their top goal scorer, not even playing for them, like, you know, but Neil. Malpay, um, listen, he, he has got his, I hate to use the word faults, but he's got his re restrictions. But also, I'm not being funny, he has definitely been an asset to us, the Allard. Yes, yes, he has. Um, he may also be a problem because, because of everything else you've described. Um, because, yes, he scored goals, but we're not winning games, um, albeit we beat Forest. Um, yeah, that, that's not his fault. Um, but it feels like there's we, we've got a real problem with the ball continually coming back at us at the moment. And I just feel that that's because, at least with Tony back, you have an out ball to Tony's head, but you don't have another out ball. Whereas previously you had an out ball into channels and Bumo can run into it and or, or maybe Wiesa. Um, so I'm really sort of, I'm a bit like this with Mopay. I'm like, oh yeah, oh no, oh yeah, oh no, oh yeah, oh no. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was a bit confused why we didn't, I'm a bit confused at the moment why we didn't, if you think about Foden and all the goals he scored, it was when he got beyond Haaland. And I'm, I'm a bit confused why we haven't tried KLP for the last 25 minutes of the game um, to run on beyond, beyond Tony, you know, to replace Mopay and run beyond Tony. Um, so I'm sort of, I, I do agree, but I also, I don't agree. And that doesn't really make any sense. But I do think that as good as he's scoring goals, but he's also part of the problem. Does that, do you see what I mean? It does. But, but the reality is, uh, the reality is that, I mean, I always saw Neil Malpay as a, a bit of a coming off the bench type player. I mean, things have sort of kind of changed because of injuries and other situations mm -hmm. and the AFCON and it's going to revert to form. You know, it's going to come February, March and I believe that Malpay is going to be players where all of a sudden, boom, Neil Malpay is coming on but it's not going to be like, oh Christ, he's coming on. It's like, yes, Neil Malpay is coming on because he's got that bit between his teeth. So that's where I see it as being a bit of a bonus. He's already scored seven goals. I still, I do believe he's going to get to his 10 goals this season which I think is going to be marvellous. So him with his 10 goals, Ivan Tony with his 10 goals, mate, it's going to it's going to be quite a quite quite an interesting sort of uh, end to the season for the bees, as you can see. Chirpy Chirpy B is he's, he's predicting all sorts of stuff, which is probably going to be I'm going to have to going to be eating my words by the end of the season after all of this, like you know. I don't know about your defense is terrified. Your your defense is shit housed. I, I, I'd probably say. I mean, I th I think that you know I spoke about that in the build up to the city game. I, I you know I, call me a killjoy, call me miserable, but I, I think he's a bit of a liability at times. Um, uh, you know, the throwing the dart thing. I think that backfired a bit, and um, you know, having a go at um, Walker's misses um, or his, his his home life about scoring away um, uh, to his face. I don't think that's very clever. I think it's very un-Brentford. I think Brentford's uh, um, 
you know we we've got a way of doing things i don't think it i don't think it is that it is it is amusing i mean i'll be a liar to say i didn't laugh when when i saw him doing the doing the madison darts at, at new white Hart lane but um yeah I, I, and i hear what you say the allies about klp running running beyond but he's been so busy at left back i don't think it's you know <laughs> he, he's you know you know what i mean until Re- regulon's now you know hopefully he's here for the you know the, the run that lasts to the end of the season maybe klp is now able to do that um and i can i mention ivan tony on uh, on on monday night because i just thought he was well off of it i know he was i know he he was good in parts he looked he looked like he was feeling the 90 minutes the 90 minutes of catching up with him i think i think he was match fit for the Forest game, and I think three games, his his legs are aching a bit. <laughs> and uh, but you know he, he'll get there. I just think, I don't I don't think he looks as happy as I expected him to to be back. But um, I might be wrong. That just might I might be reading his body language a bit a bit, yeah. bit skewed. Yeah. Yeah, just just quickly, just coming back to a player of the, um, well, a player of the match as well. We've got the Besotted Global Player of the Match, which is done by the Tasmanian B over in Tasmania as well, who's coming over for the Sheffield United game. And I think another game, I think maybe the Brighton game or something like that, but he's coming over with his whole family over for Tasmania and he's very excited about that, which is all good. But um, he's uh, done the poll and he said to be uh, flecken was the winner, right? I mean, is the uh, the Flecken was the winner. Then we had Regulon as number two. And can you remember who's number three, lady? Oh, I can't remember I who was number Nor- three. Nor- was it Norgard? I think it was Norgard. I think Norgard was possibly number three. You know, we should check on our, get our facts and figures, actually. Um, uh, but anyway, but that's it. But it, he said it was the first time there was actually unanimous, right? Um, so it's the first time there was actually a unanimous um, number one out there, So which is, which is all good. Um, so there you go. Um, tell you what. Um, we're going to go over to JB. He's going to give us some facts and some funk after that Manchester City game. He's going to be sequencing himself right up. Let's go back to JB and let's have a listen to his facts and his funk. Hello, Dr. Virtual here again. Against Manchester City, Sergio Reguilon started on the left-hand side of defence for the first time. He therefore became the eighth different starting player we have used in that position in our 26th League and Cup games this season. We've also had Henry, Hickey and Janelle five times, Godos and Lewis Potter four, and Ayer and Rosaleth one each. In the City game we had eight corners, our second highest of the season, and in the top 15% of all our Premier League games. Neil Morpai scored for the third Premier League game running. Only Ivan has done that previously, scoring in four successive games he played during last season. Including the two FA Cup games with Wolves, Neil has now scored in the last five games he's played. Since joining the league in 1920, and excluding JPT games, he's the tenth player to achieve that feat. There's only been five players who've scored in six successive games. The last was Clayton Donaldson in 2012, and before him, DJ Campbell, just before we sold him, Nicky Forster, Joe Allen, Francis Joseph, Jim Towers, and Dave McCulloch. McCulloch also had a run of scoring in seven games. But the club record set in 1951 is when Fred Monk was on the score sheet for nine consecutive games. So there you go, JB, with his facts and some sequencing bunk. 
And uh, that was actually, just going back to the man of the match, actually, that was Flexen's second man of the match, breaking a 17-game drought where he did not appear in the top three um, man of the match at all. So, uh, like I said to you, he's, he's back. And I also liked his press conference uh, interview where he just said, you know, he admitted, he goes, basically, oh, I'm being quite shit. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, but he did pretty much. And he said, but I'm glad that everyone can actually see the type of keeper that I am. And I thought, that's the type of words that we want to hear. Now you need to keep it up. So, which is all good. Anyway, tell you something. We've heard facts and funk. Now we need some stats and some tactics from the bees breakdown. Possibly we've got the gala in the place. He's going to give us the lowdown on the Manchester City game, what happened there, and also he's going to look forward to the Wolverhampton Wanderers match. Hey, this is Jacob Galler with Bees Breakdown. So for that Manchester City match, I thought that Brentford's change to less pressing did cause Manchester City trouble. I thought that Brentford's low block initially frustrated City and forced them into some long-range efforts. Uh, but even those long shots were extremely dangerous because of City's phenomenal finishing. Uh, City had eight shots on target outside the box, amounting to 1.8 post-shot XG. And those same shots totaled to 0.23 XG, which just shows how accurate they were in, in turning low percentage chances into high percentage chances. And, and overall, while Brentford held City to only 2.09 XG, City's phenomenal finishing helped them record their highest post-shot XG all season at 4.35. And I think there are at least two bright spots for Brentford. One, Flecking clearly had his best performance of the season, which Bees fans will hope to see carry over into the upcoming fixtures. And two, Regulon put in a brilliant shift, not only his pinpoint crosses leading to a few chances for the Bees, but his pace and vision to cut out some of City's crosses or switches is something that Brentford has been missing with Rico out. Alright, so now for that Wolves preview. So, Brentford faced them for the fourth time since Christmas, and the Bees have come away with two losses and one draw in that time. Uh, they're currently 10th, but their underlying numbers suggest that they should be a bit closer to the bottom. They're 5th for post-shot XG allowed, uh, but their keeper has overperformed. He saved three more goals than expected, and he stopped the most crosses so far this season. Uh, Wolves have completed the most successful take-ons this season and have the second most shot-creating actions from those take-ons, with Cunha accounting for most of those, and he also leads Wolves in XG created. Uh, they also have the third most ball recoveries, so look out for Premier League leader for ball recoveries, Christian Norgard, to win some second balls and help get Brentford a much-needed three points. So there you go, the Gala, the Bees Breakdown, massive in the house. And yeah, check it out, Bees Breakdown. He's done his Manchester City Breakdown as well, and he's broken it right down so that we can have tears in our eyes to just see how Manchester City uh, just took the second half uh, by the... <laughs> Like the bull by the horns by the neck but if you want to take it and they just really just turned everything on its head and Foden had a little bit of a field day and um listen but like I said you can learn from that but listen we're going to look forward Saturday Wolverhampton Wanderers we played them three times already so far we've got to play them one more time if there's we take anything from this we should know how they play we should know their players. We should know what they do. So um, tell you what, we're going to go away, have a little drink. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about how we are actually going to give Wolverhampton Wanderers a bit of a game. Wolverhampton Wanderers, Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. Is it a must-win game? I don't think so at the moment now. I'd love to win. I think it'd be good to get a point, but it's not a must-win game. Um... 
but it'll, it'll sort of kind of keep like i said to you just it'll keep us our head above water if we can get some points out of this one um wolves delved into the delved into the transfer market so you know they've got some good players um and we don't seem to be able to keep a clean sheet going into this game the lr are you a little bit nervous yeah i'm proper nervous um i will expand it a little bit um it's because the reason i'm nervous is because they've got loads of pace and i think our back three at the moment are looking a little bit um yes so so there is an argument you might want to move Ayer into the back three don't think that will happen or you go with the back four and then you play Ayer and regulon as left as your left back and right back and they're closer to the center back so they are you know in a way supporting with their pace because they're both you know quick but the, but if you go four at the back it's four three three i can't for the life of me pick a front three that would work um with current players available um, especially after, and this was when I was going back to the Joshua Silver injury. So I'm sort of thinking we're going to stick with three-five-two, um, and I'm just hoping that we find a way of um, of exploiting any weaknesses Wolves have got at the back. Because I would imagine it will be Tony and Mope up front, um, and yeah, Mope's on a goal-scoring run. But I've already explained my my thoughts about them two playing together. Um, so I think it's going to be a tricky business. And, and 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 when it comes down to it, I've always the one thing I've always said I've said it a lot on this podcast is I like it. I, I always want us to have more points than games played. And if we lose on Saturday for the first time, I think in the Premier League we drop below points versus games played. Yeah, it's, it is worrying. It's and you've got also got a you know if we don't get anything out of the game, we've got the prospect of looking at the other teams who are below us um, fortunately um, Everton have a trip to Man City I assume Man City are going to win that um, Burnley have a trip to Liverpool although Burnley are you know well well sort of below us but more worryingly Luton are at home to Sheffield United where, where you expect on current form Luton to win and if we don't get anything and they do get a win that puts us below Luton psychologically that's not great game in hand um, well yeah games in hand but psychologically it's, it's still not great because you know we, 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 we go Brentford against Luton we're way better than them um, and that's you know you can argue that that, that we're not you know um, so I still I still I'm very calm about the, our prospects for the rest of the season, but I just think, you know, the the visuals when when the graphs come up and where where Brentford are in the table and blah 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 when they talk about us on match of the day on Saturday night. If if we if we haven't got three points out of this game, it it could be looking really really shitty. Um, so yeah, Sheffield United look dead dead and out out for the count. You know, you, you, they look like they're relegated already. Burnley, it's going to take a miracle. Um, that's why I say this Forest situation needs needs sorting out. They they need, if they are going to get a points deduction, it needs to happen soon, so we know where we're at. And if they're not going to get one, um, equally we need we need to know exactly where we're at. So um, um, resolution needs to be happening. But more importantly, we need to get at least a point out of that game. Yeah, we need oh, to get a point. Yeah, the game the game in hand thing has always has been making me laugh because we had two games in hand, didn't we? But they were both against Man City. Yeah, exactly that. 
Yeah, yeah. Which, um, but they are to a certain extent. Yes, they are. But then it, you know you just got a certain amount of games, so you you have to play everybody else as well. So again, you can't kind of work. if Manchester City was at the end of the season, you know, then you got games earlier. So it just it's almost like when the sequence of games are happening, people look at the games in front of them. But you've mm. got to look at you've got to look at the whole period to say, look, these yeah. are the amount of games that we got to play. And these are the teams that we've got to play. And, and and you're absolutely right, Bill, which is why I always, I, I don't look too much. I don't really even look at the table because I know if you get, if you end the season with as many points as there are games played, you'll be fine. So I'm only, so my barometer is only ever, how many games have we played? How many points have we got? And we're 22 and 22. Yeah. So listen, we've been talking about games. We've been talking about Wolverhampton Wanderers, even though we don't really know that much about them. But we know that Dave from Talking Wolves knows a lot about them. So we're going to go over to Wolverhampton. Dave's just going to give us a little lowdown on Wolverhampton Wanderers. Hello, Brentford fans. It's Dave again from Talking Wolves. <laughs> what is it, the fourth time now I think we've played you guys in just over a month. And Wolves have just about edged it, really, in those uh, fixtures. But they've been, I mean, mainly in the FA Cup games, they were pretty close games. And I think the Premier League game could have been so different as well. You know, I think you gifted us a couple of the goals. Nathan Collins, ex-Wolves player, probably wouldn't have been too happy with how uh, his performance had gone. But looking forward to it again. You know, you guys have uh, given us some tricky games over the last few years. I remember the first year you came up into the Premier League a couple of years ago, sorry. Um, one of the most frustrating games I've been to as a home fan with Thomas Frank. Just probably knowing that season that you were going to have to, you know, use the dark arts almost in some games to get the upper hand and, and frustrate your opposition and that's exactly what he did and Brentford ultimately have been a very very solid Premier League team over the last couple of years this year from the outsider looks like it's been a bit more difficult you've had your injuries um, obviously Ivan Tony being missing is, is a big one um, and that's what I'm really looking well we're going to be interested in going into this game is the return of Ivan Tony because I think Personally, from a Wolves point of view, I think we have edged it and got the better of you. And I felt like we were the better team in the last three games. But with Tony, I think there's just going to be... Just the presence of him is going to make it a really interesting game. Because I think he adds fear into the opposition. But also, I think he gives a lot of confidence into the other Brentford players as well. I think you've seen that over the last couple of fixtures for you guys. Although... A couple of defeats recently, but the win against Nottingham Forest. And you've been competitive in the last couple of games against Spurs and City as well. And I think that's what Ivan Tony brings. You know, he's got the better, you know, output now out of Neil Morpé as well, which I'm sure you guys are going to be delighted with. But I think you'll be looking at this fixture and, and hoping that Brentford can get some points out of it. I was talking about it on my, my preview on our channel on YouTube. And I was just looking at some of your fixtures and you guys have got... You know, bearing in mind you've just played Spurs and Chelsea, um, Spurs and City, you've got a horrible little run of fixtures coming up as well. So I think you guys may have to look at this game and think we've got to try our hardest to get some points out of it. I think you're more than good enough to upset some of the bigger boys, to be fair. So we'll have to wait and see. Looking at Wolves, though, it's been a really, really, really intriguing season. I'm sure I would have, uh, you know, spoke about some of it in the last time I spoke to you, but. Since the start of the season, you know, very quick rundown. Lopetegui walked out in the club about a week before the season. Gary O'Neill takes charge just a few days before, so it doesn't really have a pre-season. And there was sort of a block of five games where you could see there was real teething problems for Wolves. The quality of football was okay, but just conceding too many goals and not winning games. In the end, Gary O'Neill switched the system up. We've gone with a back five and not really looked back since. Beat Manchester City at home. Since then, we've picked up some great results, beating Spurs at home. You know, picked up points against Villa, doing really, really well. Um, beating Chelsea, got the league double over Chelsea, actually, the first time for us since the 70s. And since January, you know, there have been 
a really, really good run of consistency from Wolves. The interesting thing is, you know, we, we've had our own hiccups. You know, Pedro Neto, who is one of the top assisters in the Premier League, was out injured for a couple of months. We coped without him. Last month or last month and a half, we've been without Juan Ki Chan. Uh, we've been out without Ryan Aitnori, who's our left back, who's a really solid player. Um, and a couple of squad players as well, which always makes it difficult for Wolves. And, you know, you struggle a little bit with flexibility when you're missing a few um, squad players. Mario Lamina, unfortunately, his father passed away as well, so he was missing for a while. And, you know, I think it was a young lad, Joe Hodge, that started one of the games against you boys. So we've had our issues ourselves, but the consistency on the pitch has been always there. And I think full credit to Gary O'Neill. He's got, you know, one of the reasons Lopetegui left the club was he, he wanted more money, but also he felt the squad that he had couldn't compete. And, he, and you know, I think Gary O'Neill has shown that he, we can compete. We've got some really seriously quality, you know, talented players. But the outputs now of Juan Chan, Mateus Cunha, Pedro Neto, Pablo Sarabia, they're four, five, six times of what they were last season. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal um, change in fortunes towards a team that really, really struggled to score over the last couple of years is now, are now scoring goals and making life very, very difficult. Home form has been great for Wolves. Away form, not so good. But saying that, our last couple of games, you know, against yourselves, we beat you quite heavily, um, to, you know, before the new year. We've got a point against Brighton away, which wasn't easy. We beat Chelsea away. So hopefully that's starting to change fortunes as well. Our home running is favourable. Look, no game in the Premier League is easy, but I look at our home running and I think there's only one team in the top six now that we've got between now and the end of the season at home. So Wolves could really, really pick up a solid run of form going into the end of the season. Do I think we're good enough for Europe? Maybe. Um, that's me sitting on the fence a little bit, but I think we've got the quality to get there. Maybe the Conference League, but there's so many good teams like your Newcastles, your Brightons. I think Chelsea could still easily come into it. Manchester United obviously are going to improve. So there's a lot of good teams in and around there. It's just up to Wolves to keep that consistency and see where we go from there. I think Wolves will go unchanged after that Chelsea game. They've got two key players for you guys to look at. Pedro Neto, Mateus Cunha, both on fire at the moment, both getting their goals and getting their goal contributions. Um, I think it'll be a 2-1 Wolves win. I've got to back my own team. I don't think it'll be an easy game. I think Tony's going to be a big boost for you, but I'm going to go with Wolves 2, Brentford 1. After Saturday, guys, all the best of luck for the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll speak again next season. I'm sure Brentford, well, I know Brentford are far too good to go down, um, and I think you'll have a change in fortunes with the big man back up front as well. So all the best, guys, and I'll catch you next time. So there you go, Dave, from Talking Walls. Talking about Walls, finishing scoring chances strong, counter-attack strong, coming back from losing positions strong, protecting the lead strong, stealing the ball from the opposition strong, defending against skillful players weak, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, very weak, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, we'll have our work cut out against us, uh, won't we, the Allard? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've already said it, we will. Wolves are a good side. Um, he's done a brilliant job. Um, yeah, he's just he, O'Neill's just done a brilliant job. He's just turned them into a into a really good um, side. I mean, he did the similar job with Bournemouth last season. I think at this, I think at the beginning of this season, loads of people had Wolves to be in the bottom four. Maybe you know, I think a lot of people were already saying the bottom three would be the bottom three, but 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 certainly had Wolves as next most at risk. And um, 
He's done a brilliant job, and I think, to be honest, you could see it in that Man United game. Was that their first game of the season or one of their early games? They looked really good that night. And I remember watching it thinking, oh, Wolves are going to be quite good this season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they yeah. did look great. Yeah. And just quickly, just 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 finally, just looking at this, the team itself, because I think this is quite important because we're talking about players coming in, coming out, going, is that the other? Um, the team itself, do you, do you, you know, do you sort of predict any sort of changes from the teams that we've had before um, against, um, you know, well, that we've been playing before, you know, obviously we've got our, you know, we, you know, probably go, well, you're talking about when we go three at the back, when we go four at the back, we've done about Ayer, you know, do you think, you know, Goddess has flown back? Do you think he might feature? Do you think Roslev's going to be in? Is Roslev going to be out? Um, or do you think we pretty much keep the same team and the same formations we did at Man City? I, 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 I suspect we'll do what we did at Man City because I don't think there's much appetite at the moment for doing anything else. We did play 4-3-3 in the first Wolves game, um, but I just don't see a front three. I, you can't play Mope as a winger, right? The only way... He's the one scoring goals. The only way you can fit him in the team is to play 3-5-2 if Tony's playing. He's not going to play on the wing. So I don't really see what other options there are. I, it, it, it would have to be that, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, it does, and they look they look like they're on the same wavelength. Morpay and Tony, they, they, they you know, you, there is a lack of pace, but there is seems to be an understanding and a mutual respect there. So, uh, yeah, more probably more of the same. Um, I think Godos will come straight back onto the bench. You can't see him fitting in anywhere unless there's heaven forbid more injuries. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll actually say it looks like they're having fun together. Actually, now the yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and I was also going to add that we did play four four two, I think, against Brighton in the first half, but that was pretty grim. So, um, I mean, that's the first time we played that in many, many, many years, probably since Rosler. So, I'm, I, I'm not sure we'll revisit that. I, I would imagine, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with the three five two. Maybe I comes in for Rose level, although we don't generally play him as a wing back. Yeah. Okay. So, listen, just going around the table here, score prediction, Laney. Uh, two two. Oh, the Ellard. Uh, one all, wishful thinking. One all, and myself, I've gone one all as well. I'm on the Talking Wolves podcast. I've gone one one. I'll be happy with one all as well. So, listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Thanks for subscribing to us. Thanks for buying us a beer. Besotted.com forward slash beer. Thanks for listening to all the podcasts. Listen to the post match seat podcast if you want to as well. Just listen to all our podcasts on Pride of West London. And thank you for supporting Besotted yet. Once again, we've got lots of people been coming up to us and just telling us, you know, just really positive things. And it's really good to see you. Just come down the globe, have a little drink with us, just sit down and just chill. As they say, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers on Saturday. Um, check us out, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Like I said, Pride of West. London. Then after that, we'll be back the following week as we do the build-up to Arsenal. No doubt there'll be some sort of AFTV action going on in there. But let's not focus on that one. Let's focus on trying to get three points at Wolverhampton Wanderers. I'm sitting around here. I'm Billy Grant. I've got the Allard in place. Rubies. You've got the Laney in house. Good afternoon. And my name's Billy the Bee. And like I said, you're going to get on Wolverhampton. Let's go. Let's do it. Come on. Come on, you Come bees. on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Let's get them wanderers. Let's, let's, just, let's just do them once. Come on. Just once. Just just once this season. Come on, you bees. Jeremy Dodgers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.